0: And welcome to the M and M podcast. I'm Emma, and I'm Mizzy. And today we have got a fun little episode because we're doing a big um, recommendation episode. Because we are two weeks off, and it turns yeah. out we've watched everything there is to watch. I've read everything a lot. there is. To, yeah. <laughs> so it's basically a massive what we've been watching, and that. Episode. Wait, yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> that also
1: that segment does seem to take Be getting up most longer.
0: of our podcast anyway. So yeah. this is a dedicated episode to probably our favorite, one of our favorite parts, of- out of the two parts of the podcast, <laughs> one of our favorites, <laughs> one of my personal favorites. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, let's get on into that. Shall I go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay, the first one to share, and this is mostly just a recommendation for you, Mizzy, because I think you'll really enjoy it. Um, okay. <laughs> is, so, I don't know if you saw it on Radio 2. Well, first of all, John Lennon would have turned 80. I think it was a couple of weeks ah, ago. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, on Radio 2, they did a bit of a thing about it, and Sean Erna Lennon did a series of interviews with people about John, and It was just really good. Um, I listened to them all on the Sounds app. Actually, I haven't listened to them all. I lie. I'm a liar. (laughs) I listened to the one with Julian and the one with Paul. Um, Why I think they were great. I thought the one with um, Julian was really nice. Because I actually, for one, I've never heard uh, either Julian or Sean speak before. Like. I just have never heard them in conversation separately and definitely not together. And I didn't know what their dynamic would be like together at all, but they're obviously very, very close. And it was just a really nice chat about a very, like, intimate side of John, which was quite nice. And also a lot of the later bits of John, because obviously... They weren't even born when the Beatles was a thing. So it was their memories a lot of um when he was doing the solo stuff for Sean, like in New York, and then Julian, his relationship with his dad when he was a bit older. And yeah, it was just a really nice conversation about things that aren't always touched on in very like Beatles documentaries and stuff specifically. Yeah. And it just felt like you were listening in on a conversation, which I really love in a podcast when it gets to that point where it's like maybe I shouldn't even be listening because this feels super special and intimate it was super lovely and then the one with Paul I also loved from a very like um creative point of view it was really interesting because he talked a lot about their writing together which was really nice to hear about especially from paul's point of view because i think a lot of the time when they're making the documentaries and stuff it's a lot of like old footage and then talking heads with other people and it's lesser from
1: their actual point yeah
0: (laughs) which i know like john and george aren't here now to make documentaries but paul is and he was uh Talking about it and that was really nice. And there was one point that I really liked, um, where he was talking about how he had seen John before they'd met because he'd sort of noticed him on the bus and loved the way he dressed it because he was like that cool teddy boy, and he was sort <laughs> of like clocked him a bit and then he said he'd seen him at the fish and chip shop, and then he'd eventually got introduced to him and he was like that's a lot I keep on seeing and I just thought that was really nice how they already you know like people I'm going to talk about this more later as well how clothes are sort of like or fashion can be seen as very um, on the surface and stuff but in situations like that I always love it how you can sort of present a side of yourself you want other people to see or you know that if someone else is dressed like that they're probably going to be similar to you and you're all trying to yeah fit into not just a fashion but like a whole scene a group of people yeah and, yeah and i and thought community. that was really cute um so yeah it was just a really nice conversation and it was very he talked a lot more very early on um and another thing that was really interesting actually that i just had never really thought of probably because like i've been watching beatles documentaries forever I, like i've grown up listening to them but when they're talking about how when the beatles finished they were like i don't think any of them were even 30 yet they were like late 20s christ yes yeah, so i don't think about that yeah the, all of the beatles they were in their 20s so you think they were young when they just started and you think sergeant peppers and all that was like Years and years later, which it was, but not really, they were all still so young the whole time. The Beatles must be strange,
1: like for Paul and like Ringo looking back now, they've lived the majority of their life not as a member of the Beatles, and that's how everybody sees them, though. Yeah, it's that is weird.
0: It, it blew my mind because I don't think when I was younger, I think I would have thought of 28 or whatever as old, but now as 28, not in years but it's not as far away as it used to be. I'm like, <laughs> that, they're not that old, um, which... I mean, they are now. But. Yes, they are now. Paul's pretty old. And there was another, there's just loads of cute points. There's a point where he, he plays a <coughs> song that they never used because it wasn't very good, on unquote and he just bams it out, and it was very good and definitely could have been a song for someone else and would have been a hit. And there was also points in the conversation where, which I really love, where they were sort of talking about the Beatles in line with, like, there was the Beatles, and there was family, and there was religion, and it was like the Beatles was a whole section of <laughs> being, and I I love the way that was spoken about because it's how important it is to people and and to people who are close with it or in it. It's just really nice conversation. So that you need
1: sounds to get so on that. good, yeah. I'm definitely yeah, gonna listen to
0: that. I, I really it it really in, like inspired me for a long time afterwards, <laughs> especially hearing them talk about the creative process and stuff yeah there is actually in the poor bit there's a really great bit about creativity and them being inspired and working with each other i think you'll enjoy that
1: i actually i didn't even know that that was it was would have been john's 80th birthday recently i didn't realize
0: no i hadn't considered it but so it was (laughs) um but yeah what what have you been watching or not Uh, watching reading anything
1: well I've been to the cinema a few times.
0: Oh. <laughs> the the new was... film releases, Mizzy's on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I went last night, actually, to see a documentary called White Riot, which was about the rock against racism thing um, and the National Front in the 1970s. So it had, like, the clash and stuff in it. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And... Do you know what the Rock Against Racism thing is? Because I, like, heard of it, but I
0: didn't know. Not really. So,
1: basically, in the (laughs) 1970s And by that, I mean, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) In the 1970s, there was a big... um, Do you know what the National Front is? So, the National Front, I suppose, is kind of like what um, Britain First is now, but back in the 70s. And it was to do with... um, So, like, in the 50s and 60s and they brought a lot of, like, black immigrants over to work for us Mm -hmm. and then it got to, like, the 70s and stuff and there was, like, mass unemployment and in um, communities, like, working-class communities in London and stuff, there was a lot of clashing with the fact that they would associate that with immigrants and stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: Um... So the National Front was getting really big, but then there was, Is and this then people like, like
0: the the. Um, I don't want to stereotype, but if you were to imagine a person in the, in, would it be like the the skinhead? Yeah, yeah. Doc skinhead. Martin yeah. sort of thing. Yeah,
1: that was it exactly. Yeah, okay. Um. <laughs> Just to paint a picture in my mind, <laughs> um, and it was a time when like Eric Clapton and stuff came out in support for like Enoch Powell who was the the guy who was like perpetuating all of this and saying that we want to get the immigrants out and all this kind of thing and everybody this person called who's called Red, but I can't remember his last name. He's like the person who came up with rock against racism. He was down mm-hmm. the pub with his friend, who I also can't remember the name of, but um <laughs> they were like we need to do something about this because they were like it's so Shit, like they're like rock heroes or whatever, were coming out and yeah. supporting this like white supremacism, and they were like it's so ridiculous when like Eric Clapton, it was like the king of blues guitar, which is based off has like its black roots culture, in black it? music, yeah, yeah, and they were like it's so ridiculous. So basically, they formed this thing called Rock Against Racism, mm-hmm. which was like they had like a fanzine thing and they got all these people together and they would make um, essentially like a newspaper type thing and when they had enough money to print it and they would give it out at gigs and stuff and mm. and then people like The Clash and because they were like a working class band in London who spoke about unemployment and all that kind of mm. stuff and so were the kinds of people that the people who support the National Front would like because mm. they were like that's why a lot of them would go into the national front but they were like they came out the clash and stuff and they did a gig a massive gig um like against all this and it it was just really it was nice to see that kind of like how music can bring people together to um basically as they put it like wanna punch a Nazi in the face yes (laughs) Um, but it was, like, interesting with the parallels to now a little bit, mm. how it... God, history just repeats itself, doesn't it? It's, like, 50 years ago, and we have the same kinds of problems now. Mm.
0: Do you not think it's sort of hurtful in the fact or inspiring that when you think there is a... Because it's, it's very easy to think what actually is, a, a like, a tangible route we can take for change... And then mm. it's not, It's good to see that if you put it into sort of like something like music or, or the fandom that's already behind something and bring in this idea, that could create yeah. traction and change. Because I suppose that's a bit like, you know, the football and their no tolerance against racism, especially on the England team. That brings a whole community that follow football obviously and yeah and whether their views align with that exactly if they don't then they have to because that's what the football team has chosen and that's how they're going to sort of perform if that makes yeah. sense so like doing it through something people already are a part of uh, yeah a part of and yeah. passionate about is a good route but yeah it well, is yeah. shit to see that that's things like... repeat themselves <laughs> especially yeah. when you think from the seventies to now, how really how it's, say no one had a phone in the pocket in the seventies, and now we have computers with us. Surely our minds are broad enough to understand. Well, this is
1: where it's kind of interesting. Isn't the one? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Well, because they talked a lot about how. Um, so when they did this big rock against racism gig in Victoria Park in London, they walked from Trafalgar Square did a march and then went to Vicky Park but they um at one point they commented about how like we didn't have mobile phones or anything we didn't know how many people were going to turn up Mm. at Trafalgar Square if they would even be able to march without getting like intercepted by Mm. the National Front or if they would even get there when they were going to get there blah 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 and there was no so in in terms of like the sort of organisational side of activism it sounded like it was quite a mess <laughs> like yeah and hard but it worked but I think also with the their magazine that they did um it was called Temporary Hoarding and they did explain why it was called that and I can't really remember but Seems that said room, R <laughs> yeah <laughs> it said uh, in Temporary there's RAR which is Rock Against Racism so uh, it had that in it as well no, but, don't talk to me about spelling
0: um, Busy. yeah sorry <laughs> no idea Um, what letters are in temporary
1: (laughs) well now you do (laughs) Uh, um but people would write in to this fanzine and stuff from all over the country Mm. and be like what did she this one woman she was like oh yeah we got like joe from bognor regis (laughs) who wrote in and he's like there isn't a rock against racism like like, thing here, I want to join, and then she, they would write back to all these letters and be like, well, Joe from Bognor Regis, you are rock against racism in Bognor Regis now, or whatever, (laughs) and they would have, like, so then they would bring up all the different little, like, sort of community Mm -hmm. club things all over the country, and not just in London or Manchester or blah, 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 in, like, tiny places that you've never even heard of mm. and then when it would come to these big organizational things they might, people would come from all over on coaches like overnight to to come yeah. to the the axivismy stuff and it was it, it seemed almost to me like the existence of technology and phones and whatever is probably what restricts us now because it's sort of that oversaturation of knowing mm. stuff and There's no that kind of, like, build-up and sort of excitement you get to go and, I don't know, shout about what you believe in in a place. In that sense, it seems like it would sustain longer because it was like they just read it in this magazine and they would talk to their mates about it and then be like, oh, we're getting on the coach and we're going and we're blah, blah, blah. And it was like that, whereas now it's, like, overwhelmingly in-your-face, like if you haven't done this, then you're an asshole, yeah. and get yourself to that thing. If you're not there, then, and you haven't put it on social media, then you blah, blah, blah. And it,
0: yeah. Do you think I, it
1: turns people off from it.
0: As well, the fact that say an organisation, maybe now as an Instagram, which is good to spread the message, but a lot of people yeah. will follow that personally and individually and get information, learn whatever. But it's sort of, before if the only thing you could do is you couldn't follow them on instagram so you had to talk to your mates and be like it does mm. stop the conversation flow slightly there yeah. and it kind of really makes it more of an individual thing than a wider thing which in most almost yeah. all causes you're hoping for a wider reach aren't you whether it be racism or anything else
1: yeah exactly so, so you find that with the with the um technology to access more knowledge or whatever people become less informed because because it's, it you aren't talking about it as much with your mates and stuff or whatever. Well, I mean like some people are we do but it mm. I think because it just becomes so I don't know overwhelming I guess. Yeah.
0: And what's this called? Rock, is this rock against It's rim? called No, it's called White Riot as a documentary. White.
1: Yeah, it was made, I think it was made last year, maybe. Um, Sounds good. Sounds and it's like, interviews with, like, um, some members of The Clash and mm. people like that, so... But then, like, mainly with the people... What was nice about it is like, the people who did the magazine, like, who did mm. the graphic design on it and the writing and the journalism and all that, and th- that was really nice to see, too, because I was like, how do people... I said to a housemate afterwards, like, how do people get into this... Like community of people who make like cool things like that. Like well, we're I'll a community of people
0: making cool things. <laughs> it's called the podcast. The M and M podcast. Yeah.
1: But like pen to paper stuff, like yeah. physical like like drawings and and I don't know, like I'll look, I just really like
0: it. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I don't know how to do it. It so.
0: yeah. <laughs> sounds like a nice nerdy documentary as well. As much as it, it's about mm. something a lot bigger, obviously, about racism. Also a nice yeah. One about like the magazine and stuff like that. Right, so my next thing, I'm you have watched, I think, because I saw you liked it. Um and it's a, <laughs> a close to home little number and it's Danny Lomas's primary boys uh, yeah. video. What did you think about it all? I really liked it because yeah. it what it made me a bit like
1: nostalgic for home, but I was also like What's weird about that is that is not a scene at all that I was aware of in any way when I lived in Triffield. And obviously when I lived there was when, roughly when they lived there too. We were a bit younger yeah, than they were Yeah, well, like, Priory
0: actually shut down, just to preface this, Danny Lomas, fashion influencer from <laughs> near where we live, shout out, um, put out a video in collaboration with Clarks and it was about... Basically, our hometown, one of our hometowns, we live near town. <laughs> um, about um, a clothing store that used to be in Bridlington, but it shut down, um, and sort of the scene around that. And then the new venture they're all going into it was a bit of a homage, homage, homage. How do you say that? Homage, homage okay. to home and <laughs> the Priory Boy scene. Um, but yeah what priory i think shut potentially about 2 years ago now i right. i went to maybe one or two of the parties they used to have towards the end but it was i think it was on its way out when i went and then it yeah. shut so i only briefly went to any of the priory things but fun times i the one i remember that was really good was a like Eighties DJ sets, but on vinyl. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and it. there was a bar and stuff. But yeah, basically it was. <laughs> and there was a bar and stuff. Just imagine it, a bar and alcoholic stuff. Alcoholic beverages. <laughs> um, but yeah, the point was, it was trying. To, at the time, it was very much like not only a shop because it was, but also something that was trying to make a bit of a hub of the community, um, which was nice. Like, that's a nice thing. I think when I watched it, it made me think like,
1: God, I wish that was something that was one, something that I knew about or something that kind of existed more when we were like probably in sixth form or Mm. something, because that would have made me like where I lived a lot better. I Mm. think. Whereas, I had such a bad opinion of it otherwise because there wasn't any of that kind of... didn't seem cool in any way where we lived. It didn't seem like there was anything going on or, like, to do with fashion or music or whatever. Mm. And now, like, since, like, making the documentary that we made and stuff and whatever, like, going back and seeing, you know, obviously where we went a bit more to, like, Hull and that kind of area. But I follow a lot of people, creative people from back home now, that I've been there probably the whole time that I was there and I just didn't didn't know. And I was like, that that's such a shame that I just didn't know that it was happening. And that maybe if you live in a small town somewhere and you think it's a bit shit and a bit crap, there probably is a little bit of a scene going yeah. on somewhere that you just haven't discovered yet. And yeah. that's quite nice.
0: And that's why you've got to dress like you want the people... <laughs> who you want to exactly. hang around with dress so you can, you know, be like, oh, we could be friends, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like in Six form we both maybe, like, we probably dressed slightly different to what other people dressed like, but I think we were we still tried. very, very tame and had no, like... We tried, bless yeah. us, but
0: I, I don't think all of my we didn't dresses the, were successes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think as well that, like, us at the end of sixth form, we're still probably a bit, like, nerdy, and, well, we were. Yeah. And, like, yeah we're going out Shy, a bit, but just, quiet. like, you know, so I think maybe we it would have been good if it was, like, around now, I think. Yeah. would have been more into it then, but, yeah, the, I think the thing is, there is always, like, like-minded people where you live. It, it's just sometimes hard to mm. find them, but, like, it's also like you sort
1: of hear, hear about people or whatever, but because you kind of almost like, you put them on this like pedestal in your mm. mind because you, there is, not necessarily many people like what, like that, then they, it just becomes too much. Like you're like I can't speak to them or I would never yeah. go to a place where they would go to and whatever because, you get too nervous about it and feel
0: <laughs> yeah that sounds right. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's nice as well as a bit of like a where you live is... Well, I've thought this for quite a long time. Where you live is where you make it a lot yeah. of the time. Yes, I'm I'm not saying that where I live in the towns of Yorkshire is like a hiving hotspot of life because <laughs> it isn't. But there are things to do and... There like people. Yeah, there's inspiration to be found. It just might not be quite how it looks on TV and film, but yeah. neither are the cities because TV and film isn't real, unfortunately. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But yeah, but the, the one thing I did have to say, and this isn't a dig at the Priory Boys at all, but yeah. <laughs> it, it might come across as that and I don't want it to. Basically, I am in awe of their confidence. Yeah. How they can sell something or talk about something and it makes everybody believe it. And I yeah. think that's... And that's just self-belief and it's just... It's really cool to watch and kind of like... I'm like, yeah. I want to be more like that. I've also,
1: like, I think in the context of the fact of where they do live you know, I feel like there are probably a lot of people who don't so much like, I don't know, the way they dress or or that kind of stuff or aren't as into it. It, it takes a lot more confidence to be yeah. yourself in a place where you don't feel like people would accept you very much or whatever. So it is, yeah, Yeah, I admire them. Yeah. but <laughs> I wish I, I more like that too, I also but. really
0: like how everyone, especially with like the stuff Danny does, everyone is like really well as far as I can tell really like excited about it from where we live because I have known people in the past who (laughs) were not as excited about what other people are doing and you it's from a place of jealousy but it's very easy for that to rub off on you and you'd be like mad about everyone else doing well but actually it seems like now everyone that I speak to is really like, wow, this is cool. He's really showing off our area. What he's doing is really cool and I think that's nice. Like, yeah. As a as an ending note on the Prairie Boys. <laughs> community spirit. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anything um, else to share? I've still got lust to share. Yeah. I've got a few more. This podcast is gonna be Mercy recommendations then. Yeah. The
1: rest. <laughs> Um, I watched a film called Child of the Chicago Seven. It's on Netflix. Have Big I heard cast. this? Yeah, probably because it's got it's got Eddie Redmayne, Sasha Baron Cohen. Uh, that seems like a
0: strange mix.
1: <laughs> Mark Rylance, yeah, and it's also oh, so Mark Rylance, yeah, is I amazing. <laughs> um, it's about in set in the nineteen sixties, mm. and. Um, this trial of these sort of seven people, but they're all like from different sort of activist groups. And, okay. but they've all been put on the same trial for the same thing based on, um, I've lost my brain. <laughs> ah, that was it. Of course. Anti-Vietnam war protests. That's oh, what they yes, were protesting. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> uh, that old no. Sorry. I just had a brain fart. Um, I did pay attention to self when <laughs> was Yeah, it, it sounds like it. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, the, it's like a courtroom drama, which I love that stuff, like journalism-y, like law, like the kind of back and forth between mm. that in films. Great, I love it. And the uh, the judge in it, he's such an arsehole. God, there was so many times I wanted to rip his face off. Because <laughs> That's a fairly severe sentence, if, <laughs> if you, you had the fun, you, uh, you will understand, though, because quite possibly the most infuriating judge ever. Um, so if you want to get riled up by the well, American sometimes. court system, then watch that film. Or watch the
0: news either way.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, interesting. It was good. Never thought I'd hear Eddie Redmayne do a Chicago-American accent, but
0: uh, what's sh- pretty good. I'm thinking Nick Nougat. What's the Chicago accent? The, like, the, I the I don't, bears. Oh, <laughs> pizza. <laughs> chicago. It's, no. it's a lot like New York, is it not? Or is it yeah, not Yeah, a bit. All? A little bit. It probably yeah. offended every chicago in mm. I presume that's not what they're called. chicago <laughs> Yep. Well, now you have, yeah. Doesn't quite roll off the tongue, that one. Um, yeah, that does sound good. I, I too, am a fan of, like, journalism within film. Yeah. <laughs> like, I love a bit of that. Mm, yeah. A true story. Ooh. <laughs> Lovely. Based on real events. <laughs> um, I have another Netflix recommendation. Mm. Rocks. <laughs> oh i'm gonna go to the cinema to watch that oh, because i've heard a,
1: a lot about this yeah,
0: yeah really good um it's such a bizarre emotional journey because it's so it follows the story of rocks and um do you know and i'm not going to spoil it if i give a brief synopsis am i no no i know no. so she and her little brother and her mum live in like it's a deprived area in London. I actually can't. Yeah, I'm not really sure where. But um, her mum ends up leaving them because she has potentially mental health issues. It's sort of alluded to, and Rox then looks after her and her brother in wait of a mum's return because she doesn't want to go like into care or anything like that, and it's so, like, sweet and funny with moments between this girl and her little brother and then the friendship circle she's in and it's set... A lot of it's in the school as well and it's, like, a very multicultural school. So, Rox is um black but then her best friend is Muslim. It's really interesting to see, like, a community like that because it's so far from, like, where we grew up. Is yeah. it, like... I? Where I live is almost completely white and so just uncultured. So it was really interesting to see how the different cultural groups mix together and like how friendship basically like transcends almost everything, which is really sweet. And because they're like fourteen, it's funny and silly and very like sweet. But then there are some moments that absolutely tear your heart out because obviously she is has no money she's looking after a little brother and then there's the whole bits that ensues and how like this girl who's I think she's about 14, 15 is having to deal with things that are so far beyond her age and that that is happening in these deprived inner city areas and I, it was just yeah. like really heart-wrenching and it just sort of like made me like I don't know I just thought I have never ever had to experience anything close to this and this is a actually, like, a reality to some people. And it was done in a way where it just felt so real. It was well, incredible.
1: They, I know a bit about, like, the background of how it's filmed and stuff, because the directors went into a school or something, and that's... Yeah, they just, I've like, picked it. these kids up off out of that. Like, mm. it was not, like, in any way, were even in a
0: drama class or whatever. Just... But rocks is... Well, all the act, acting mm. is incredible. So... That's amazing awesome. yeah, I'm really I can't wait to see that. I've had a lot of good things about and the the chemistry of the girls is just insane, yeah. like they are like a group of fourteen year old girls <laughs> it's it's probably one of the best films I've seen this year. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it because I was laughing, but then I was like sat there mouth open shock, like horror mm. of what I'd just seen. You're up next Missy. <laughs> ah sorry <laughs> I'm <laughs> Tossing the. the, Yeah, the that was going to be a sports <laughs> reference, but I couldn't think what were. Yes. No sports, sports. no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um,
1: so, well, I, guess, I suppose it's a bit similar. I think I mentioned this briefly last time in the podcast because I was about to go and watch it, um, but I went to go see this one called Les Miserables, not the musical. It's a French film mm. um that came out recent like maybe last year. And um I thought it was to do with the two thousand and five Paris riots, but it was it was in a way, but it wasn't like set then, it was set like more nearer now and mm. was about the the place I don't remember what it, I'm shit at remembering things apparently, but I don't remember what the place of what it's no. the sort of state part in Paris what what it's called. But okay. Um, where a lot of the um, I- immigrants live. Mm. So, like, in the. when I say immigrants, like, yeah, it was a bit. Well, a lot oh. of people. Are, it's what was it a called in that
0: there? La. La. Oh.
1: It was like, it begins with a B, I think. Yeah,
0: like, la boule.
1: No. Yeah, maybe something like that.
0: Um, la batanda <laughs> or something. La bagaba. <laughs> 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 you just. So, like, he's speaking gibberish now. Well, he's yes, it is gibberish. Whole... That is not French, <laughs> just to clarify, Don't like, <laughs> translate that. What was it called? La... 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 La Babada.
1: The, ba- the Banaloo. Banaloo, oh, something like banaloo, that. La the Banaloo, le, yeah. Le bosque, or
0: something. We used,
1: bosque. Th- series, we used to go,
0: in our film studies, we used to go, the Bannerloos.
1: <laughs> so it's the French something... Bannerloos. <laughs> in, yeah.
0: in our school that was going to be on Educate in Yorkshire, the <laughs> um, um
1: Yeah, well, I think it, uh, it got compared a lot to... Lehane. lehane i'm not even sure that's how you pronounce lehane because i've heard people say like lehen and things like that I'd said so we probably got that wrong too
0: yeah probably i didn't think Mr. not big of pronunciation F, um, in um knew all the pronunciations
1: no um but yeah it's basically about it's it's really like quite fast-paced mm. and it goes basically in one day two days i think um and this new police officer who's come from like a quieter French like town comes to work for this Parisian police force. But it's like a specific there are like a branch of police in France that are quite known for being quite violent and not so great. Mm. Um, and they specifically like police this area.
0: And what like the banalies.
1: Yeah. Um, and it kind of so it's them taking him around this and like what they sort of do every day. Mm. And the perspe- it's perspective on both sides, really. But I'm I'm not gonna go into it because I don't want to tell you what happens, but it escalates quite quickly. And there is one moment where this new police officer just goes, That was the worst fucking day of my life. Like, wow. and I'm like, I'm not fucking surprised. And I'm like, you've him as a police officer is just walking into that for one day. Never mind what those people have to live around yeah. and put up with for their whole life. Like, it's very similar to what I'm in the way that rocks or whatever that very like gritty, realistic, mm. like to I think, and the director lived there. He's from that place, mm. and um, this was his first film. I think.
0: Well, then, it, so is it from the police person's point of view?
1: So, yeah, you go round with the police. So everything, it's all filmed from this group of policemen and going round with them, basically, and what they're doing.
0: That's really interesting he decided to do it like that if he is from that area.
1: Yeah, well, I think there's the kind of, like... There's a sort of sympathy towards, like, I like films where they don't make the issue so, like, black and white of, like, this is wrong and this is right, blah, blah, blah. Because it's, like, obvious that there is massive problems in the fact of the way that they've treated the people who live there. And they have mm. they have big divisions in France anyway with, like, the immigrants and stuff, yeah. and especially in Paris, where they, they just don't even consider them to be French when yeah. half of them are, like, second, third generation. Like, mm. they've been there, born there, whatever. Like, and it's not good. But then, because of like the atmosphere that's grown out of it, th- there is still dangers on the police's side, too. Yeah. And like the reactions that they have s- have sprung from like years' worth of animosity and tension. And like, mm. and then it just, it just seems like one of those things where it's like impossible to sort out because yeah. there's too much history in it. Mm. But yeah, it like, p- like, properly quite stressful film i went to see it with my french friend and he was just like he's from paris and mm -hmm. he just like cried the whole way through it and i was
0: like
1: god because he was like i've never seen something where it's actually like really represents what they know it to be like in paris what that is Mm. so yeah pretty heavy film, but yeah
0: but yeah it's good but in a similar sense that's how like rocks felt like a real like I felt real heavy and kind of awful, but at the same time I was like, I have no idea at the same time. But it it yeah. was so realistically done like that that you, you couldn't help but feel real true immersion towards the characters yeah. and a real depth of immersion that's hard to capture until. and This is what I love about
1: cinema though as well, how it can do that. You have no idea about a place or a situation or whatever and have never experienced that, but you can... It it creates such a massive empathy in yeah. you for for that. Mm. Yeah, I yeah.
0: think very that's very p- very powerful stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds really good. Hopefully, it comes on like Prime or something, and I can just buy it. Yeah, because <laughs> um, you don't get to the cinema. Because apparently, so. I'm adverse to the cinema right now. Okay, <laughs> my next thing that I have read is I'm gonna say it: my favourite book ever. Now. Oh my god. Yeah. Quite the statement. Um, and it is High Fidelity by Nick Hornby. Oh. Heard of it, yeah. I've not read it. Oh. <laughs> it, right, I was laugh- I was reading it and I was doing this sort of <laughs> laughing <laughs> all the time. Ta- <laughs> just like, snorted. it was so funny, but it just, because ca- it, it basically, to give a premise, follows Rob as he has just, him and Laura, his girlfriend, have just broken up, and this is the aftermath. I have never read something, or watched, I, I don't think I've consumed anything that captures the absurdity of a breakup like this does, like the range of emotions one feels, and the, the really sad parts, but then, I can never find the word for what I'm thinking of, but that sort of not crazy because that's not the word i'm looking for but just um unthought out not your usual emotions not your usual chaotic yeah it uncontrolled it it was just so great it also has some amazing like narrative structures like they'll do um all the way through, they pick like five, your top five of this, this, and this, which plays out in a few different parts of it. But then there's also like, he doesn't share like a big part of the information on some of the breakup till later on. And it just like, you feel one way and then you're like, and uh, you can't see what I just did. That was a shock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just pulled a shocked face. Um, God, need to remember this is audio. Um yeah. <laughs> And it's one of these books, again, where the protagonist is beautifully flawed. Because that is what you need. Like, because I... There's a lot of films and stuff you watch where the protagonist will be... We all like the protagonist. But then they do something that's not very good. But then it comes back. But it's not like throughout the whole film or book, whatever, you're introduced to the actual failings of this person's personalities... Because we all have bad parts of our personalities. Yeah. And explore them as well as all the good parts and stuff like that. So it's like not just oh he does this that's bad. It's like he is a bad person here, here and here. He is a normal person. Not a bad person as such, but he's normal because he yeah. he does things that are wrong or things that are yeah, not right, whatever. It's just the best book in the entire world. I've got a million pages turned down in it. And I've decided I'm going to read a small segment just to give you a slither of how he captures a breakup and relationships, because it's just fabulous. Um, So this is Laura replying to how he, how Rob had made her mix, like mixtapes in the past. This is Rob. But they're yours, Laura. They're not really though, are they? I know you bought them for me and that, was really sweet of you but that was when you were trying to turn me into you i can't take them i know they just sit around staring at me and i'd feel embarrassed by them and they don't fit in with the rest of what's mine do you understand i didn't read that with the <laughs> umph i think it deserves that's just like a little <laughs> slice of like just how he he subtly talks about relationship in all different ways like there's some very like this is about a relationship, this is about this. And then there's some a lot smaller, subtle moments in it. Yeah. And it's it's also written very much like... um, Well, I've actually watched now a few of the trailers for the adaptations of it, which I don't really feel like watching, but you can... (laughs) seeing that how it's it's almost like at some points he breaks the fourth wall even though he's narrating to you all the time some moments just feel slightly bigger like he's like no this like hey you reader this this and this and it's just great it's, it's giving me kind of like marriage story vibes a little bit did you watch marriage story yeah it yeah it does have some similarities in that i think with the conversations yeah. him and laura have because him and laura sort of continue a some sort of relationship throughout and yeah. i think that's really interesting like the after relationship thing but yet yeah, the two adaptations that i know of one is a film with john cusack as um rob and it's it, this is set in england is this and this is what riled me about this other adaptation, which I'm sure is probably fine, but I was like, mm, no, it's all American. And yeah. I was like, that's really random. Because at some points they go to the pub and stuff and I'm like,
1: yeah, how, you can't go it to it the American. pub in
0: America, so how's that going to work? But. Do you know what, little side tangent, but I was just thinking the other day, do
1: they have trains in America? You know, do like, yes. they just drive everywhere. <laughs> no, there no, are trains. Are there? <laughs> Yeah, so it's yeah, like I can you never know, hear someone go I'm going to get on the train from New York to Chicago. But I mean
0: like is that cuz it's so far away? They don't have the same kind of network. I Actually, can... think the trains potentially are a bit more long distance mm. all the trains. I don't think you would get like how we get a train from Driftwood. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure that's such a thing, but I'm not entirely sure either. Mm. But yes, there are trains. Okay, thank you um, for clearing that up for me. <laughs> the more you know. Um, <laughs> and then the other um, what's adaptation, which you've probably seen advertised, is the one with Zoe Kravitz in. Oh, and you she see it, pl- yeah, like the TV show, and who? Yeah,
1: H- Hulu. <laughs> Hulu. <laughs>
0: Sorry. And she um, plays Robin. That. But it seems slightly different. Like, well, one, she's a woman, and Rob <laughs> is not a woman in the book. Um, and two, it's like her boyfriend. Uh, is is that the doorbell? Yeah, I think Mum's going to get it. Yeah, she is. Um, You're like, ugh, who is that? Yeah, but I was like, I don't want to get up. Um, and then two, it's like her boyfriend comes back to the city because it's in new york again an american adaptation america really took to this book apparently <laughs> um but well, yeah, i thought that looked really good and i was
1: only vaguely aware that it was based on a book actually but i didn't when you said that i didn't correlate it but it's yeah. been cancelled after one season apparently that uh,
0: that's so, that's but true. did
1: it i wonder if it concluded like the book or what no i don't know but i think because i just read something like it was supposed to go on but i think cause of coronavirus it got cancelled it hasn't yeah you know loads
0: of things got cancelled. yeah but you need to read this book as a signer
1: yeah well i need to read more because i've really i've really since i used to work in a job where i could basically just sit and read the whole time and now i don't so i feel like i don't (laughs) i don't use my spare time to do it which you need to slide back into your personal life
0: (laughs) yeah basically not into my working out. yeah oh no but this would be a great book for getting back into it because it's so like easy to read but Mm. also packs a punch and there was a lot of moments that really made me like have a little smile to myself because I thought that's actually something I have learned about relationships in a good way and I'm like hmm that Mm. yeah nice
1: you're like whizzing through books at the moment I feel like you've always got a book recommendation I, I, also, I, do. I feel like I read, like, four different books at the same time as well, which is, should I do finish them. Oh, no, them. I don't do that. <laughs> that was <laughs> really oh, judgmental. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I've been enjoying a book um a lot, to be honest, through COVID times. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do a lot less social media, to yeah. be honest. I've been finding myself feeling a bit too shit about myself after being on it <laughs> you know that old chestnuts I'm like just 15 minutes here and there hmm, that's but, yeah. probably a good idea yeah so everybody read High Fidelity because it's the best and it's actually about like 20 years old I think but yeah st- still very um I want to say prevalent is that the word yeah prevalent there you go <laughs> <laughs> um Right, I have one
1: last recommendation, and this is a music thing. Okay. Well, two music things, actually, I like. Um, so number one mm. is an Australian singer called Mallrat. Mallrat? Mallrat. rat. Malarat. Right? Malarat. Okay. Um, who, I believe in the last podcast we did, I talked about a film called Baby Teeth. Um, yes. Like an which was Australian, film. yes, and yeah.
0: it was set in Australia.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> they came of age in Australia, which she seemed
0: shocked by <laughs> that that happened. I recall, yes,
1: <laughs> um, but she was one of her songs was on the soundtrack, and I couldn't I, when I remember watching the scene i was like "Oh wow this song like shazam really it, shazam it. <laughs> well actually my housemate when she was watching it shazammed it in the cinema like Shazam the soundtrack because she was like mm-hmm. um feel like i'm gonna forget afterwards so i, <laughs> I can't it lose right it. now um so i've been listening to her ever since and she's kind of like a bit like kate nash kind of that kind of singing you know kate nash foundation's the best song in the world um, probably what? if I I I you definitely know, know it.
0: I will know it, but you know when you don't know it by the name of it, like I recognise a name but I can't think of a tune, but I would know the tune. Does right. That well, me? after this, listen. Will to you me sing it, please. please. I will not. I will Do a little. Not, uh, absolutely not. I will not be doing that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um,
1: bit like Lily Allen, kind of. Uh, right. That kind of thing as well, but like, I don't know, just. Really, really like it. Like, like, kind of, like, poppy, sort of, rappy. Mm, yeah, big mm-hmm. fan. Um, but she's, like, 21 as well. And it's, like, I always, I like it when, like, singers and stuff like Our Age, and I'm like, wow, you're successful. I'm not. <laughs> <Loving these laughs> <comparisons>. Cool, cool. <laughs> but one thing we do have really in common, Our Age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other one is Adrian Lenker. Who is the lead singer of Big Thief?
0: Okay, Big Thief, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. She's just released two albums, one called Songs and one called Instrumentals. And she just recorded them <laughs> over lockdown in a log cabin mm. in like New York State or something. Mm. And wow. <laughs> so good. Like, mm. like And just to clarify one,
0: songs and on one. Yeah, so the
1: other instrumentals one has two on it, but they're both, like, 20 minutes long. And listen to that ah. before you go to bed, because it's, like, Ugh. chimes and stuff. Mm. Do you know... <laughs> Inject it into my veins.
0: Last night, I had a really bad headache driving back from work, and I was trying to think of music that would be nice just to listen to mm. on the way back, that was would keep me sort of awake, but would be soothing. And yeah. I ended up listening to my Jazz for Study playlist, which was... Alright. But that would have been perfect. <laughs> yeah. As well getting. now you know. Yeah. Oh. So yeah, they're my recommendations. I think just knowing it was recorded in a cabin. Yeah. Somewhere. She put this post on Instagram
1: where she like, like hand wrote this letter thing and took a picture of it about the stuff that she'd written or whatever and um said that all the she plays all the guitar and singing and the only instrument is the guitar and then it was like, I don't know, like pots and pans and stuff and any of the sounds is the sounds oh. of the winds or the rustling of the tree. Stop. And I was just like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> wow,
0: music <laughs> oh, That sounds delightful mm. and I am going to listen to that. ASAP. <laughs> I also have a music recommendation um, which was born out of um, my Discover Weekly one of the songs came up. put it on my Instagram story quite recently. Mm-hmm. It's called Honey by Drug Dealer. <laughs> 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 Do you remember that from my Instagram? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, I, it's very, like, 60s vibe, mellow, but this mm-hmm. song in particular, it has this, like, proper, like, wah-wah-wah guitar in it, and you <laughs> think, and it's going on all the time, you think, oh, that guitar's sick. And then there's, like, a guitar solo. And I was like, if I thought that guitar was, like, the best before, it is even better now. And it's just... (laughs) I should work for enemy. I'm
1: imagining you listening to it, like, consistently shook up as the song Uh, goes on about how amazing it is.
0: (laughs) Mm, That's exactly how it went. And, yeah, so I listened to their whole album, and it just continues in this very, like retro but it's like retro but feels modern at the same time nice Mm. juxtaposition i like that an ode to like the 60s 70s smooth like rocky music yeah but in modern day and then there's another song called fools which i really like so would very much recommend drug dealer i feel like that um (laughs) Would very
1: much recommend (laughs) Drug (laughs) Dealer Get that in the sound
0: Yes um, (laughs) The music of Drug Dealer Which also Also doesn't sound Yeah like it all It all could be bad The the musical artist Don't know why they called that Anyway But yeah I think that Soft rock is perfect For autumn Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, just talking about music is just making me really like. Oof. Just oh, music. it gives you that nice feeling. I was just when I watched the documentary you White did. Riot last <laughs> <laughs> last night. Um, me and Brandy both came out and we were just like, God, fucking miss gigs, you know. Oh, like Christ just shit. watching everybody like get all pumped up and like, Ugh! and oh, like, it was just. I was like, wow, I miss that. That is mm-hmm. like. That's
0: that the is the
1: one like thing I miss.
0: Bottled that. Just, yeah. Mm, can't wait for it to <laughs> a moment of silence. Get back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's like literally the only thing that I'm bothered about. I think. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm obviously. <laughs> I'm not unbothered about COVID as a whole. Like, <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's literally th- the only thing. that I'm The only thing about. that matters in the entire world. You know, the the <laughs> thing I miss a lot is that. Yeah. Um, I have one final recommendation, which I'm going to do quickly, and it's a rogue one, which I didn't think I would even be recommending. Oh! And it is I'm intrigued. um, Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, Oh, I don't like this. Kenneth Branagh did. I hate it.
1: It's shit. Did you watch it? I watched it in the cinema when it came out, and I thought, "What a
0: pile of crap." I enjoyed it. (laughs) I enjoyed it. I thought I wasn't going to like it. I was honestly. Tennis really riles me up for some reason. Yes, yeah,
1: same. <laughs> I, I really don't like since it. Then. <laughs> yeah.
0: And I was He's like. He's like a pretentious nom. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, of course you'd have to be Poirot, wouldn't you? You yeah. couldn't just be and like. Di- any-
1: you couldn't just be the director. Yeah. You'd have to direct yourself as
0: Poirot. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but in the end, I did quite enjoy it, to be I honest. I thought the I acting think- was poor gotta say i just i think what it felt like was like a very much like a a it you've seen on stage with some amateur actors but that looked really where the set was real too much and it just it it wasn't like a good good film but it felt like the sort of caricature of a good film which I sort of enjoyed. I was like, mm. it feels too much in a lot of ways. Yeah, because I'm not really into mystery anything. So it just felt like a very like over mm. the top, sort of kiddified version of it. And Potentially, I, kinda it. I think
1: I would have liked it in the theatre, now that you say that. But mm. and obviously, I'm not dissing the story. <laughs> Great story. But <laughs> I don't know, I personally didn't. I don't think I like big ensemble cast things i've realized that when it's like overfaced with these big names yeah i can't i find it harder to like settle into the film which is weird Mm. that is what a lot of people like that that's usually what gets people to the cinema and stuff but having said that i did just recommend that trial of chicago 7 which had a big ensemble cast but but it was, like, random people you wouldn't fit together. Like, mm. Eddie Redmayne and Sasha Baron Cohen. Like, yeah. weird ensemble. mix. Mm. And British. <laughs> but... Bit of cheese, though. Bit yeah.
0: Of cheese. <laughs> Stop vegan. <laughs> Just th- the final note on Murder on the Orient Express, though. One thing that I hated doing it, although I did enjoy it as a whole, is when they were sat down at the table and they made it into, like, the Last Supper... They like they had, they had them set up in one long table and it was like the Last Supper. And I was like, you know when iconography is just too Obvious. Yeah. Obvious and cliched. And I know I was saying the whole thing was like cheese board status, but it was it didn't need that level of like religious connotation in it. You know what I mean? It is like from my yeah. watching of it, it was a bit of a tongue and I would take it as a tongue-in-cheek, over-the-top bit of fun, not, like, Jesus before he's going to die, whatever. It's me knowing <laughs> me knowing the Bible so well. <laughs> um, but, you know what I mean? Like, something quite serious and biblical and whatever, because it wasn't, and that kind of riled me a bit. Mm. But, yeah. But as a whole, it's a, that would be a good Christmas film. I guess on, a, yeah. on a Christmassy afternoon when you're eating crackers and weird buffet food that always seems to be around near Christmas and you've got yeah. none of your family around because COVID is rife. You can sit and watch that. <laughs> okay. Really set the scene there. <laughs> Real jolly scene. That is all our recommendations to catch you up for this week. We will be back again next week with more recommendations as always and an actual topic to talk about. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We will see you in our next one. Goodbye. Goodbye.